Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. So now people with good metacognition right then and there would say, oh, we need to change our system of parenting, right? We either need a schedule for what happens when mom is gone on the weekend, or I need to text every hour and say, do this, or is the diaper wet? Or we need to send you to a parenting class, right? We didn't do any of those things. For six months, I left the house, went to work. Pete, bless his heart, took beautiful care of that kid but did not initiate any of those tasks of feeding the kid, changing their diaper, maybe figuring out if they you know, would benefit from a walk. Six months, I tell you, we both had no metacognition. We just did the same thing over and over again with the same poor results and had the same argument Saturday at three o'clock. That is terrible metacognition, right? What we should have done is stop and go, okay, what's driving this behavior? What am I assuming in this situation? What do I think is going to happen if I do this, right? And then you change the way you're thinking about it so you can create a different outcome. Welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Truth Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Uh, hi, Nikki. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? We we did not. We're. I'm good. I'm good. It's like every day is another countdown to massive change in our lives around here, and I'm feeling the anxiety about it. Uh, about the you know yeah. kid going off to college and change in the house it's starting to be a little unnerving has she gone already no no it's but it's coming okay god and you know what that daddy daughter thing it's no joke i i can imagine it's 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 rough yeah i'm sure Uh, so that's and so of course it would be today that we have a guest on the show to talk to us about (laughs) our relationships with our kids and the things that we think about and the things that are driving our relationships and uh in in fact it is a wonderful uh guest that we have on the show uh we're going to be talking about uh you know her work coaching parents and kids and and you know how to develop positive and empathetic relationships with our with with our kiddos in and their relationships with their ADHD or other spectrum um, neurological makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about uh, bringing our guests on the show. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. 
<laughs> better. better? <laughs> you can better learn about the show. Uh, get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. Connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. You can uh, join for, you know, a few bucks a month. And uh, you'll get access to a super secret Discord member channels over in our Discord server, which are fantastic. You'll get access to the podcast early, early release in your very own Patreon, uh, early release member podcast feed. Uh, and uh, also you'll be helping support us on our journey toward our new patron only podcast uh, of me talking to myself. I think I'm going to call it now soliloquy. What do you think about that? I can't say that. Well, you will, though. Sol- You'll be able Sol- to. Sol- it's a nice one-word Sol- title. Every Sol- week you change the name. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's because as soon I, as we hit that goal, I'll have to stop changing the name. Until but then, new name a week. I don't like this name because I can't say it right. And what does it oh, mean? Oh, it's going to be great, though. It means uh, like a, a monologue, like talking to yourself. Soliloquy. Because that's the whole point. Soliloquy. Oh. Soliloquy. Sol- You're doing great. I, I can't say we'll, it. We'll workshop it. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to narrow, no. narrow down good one word title. So I don't know until we hit that until we hit that goal. It might be a new title every week. <laughs> so I can't wait. Uh, we have another change coming up because Nikki and Pete are two people who learn like lessons and change. test things. Yes. We do change. So one of the things that we noticed is that um, uh, when we, we had to change our recording time from Monday mornings, which was great. It turns out Monday mornings is great for other things, too, that are also important. And so we had to move the recording time to the live stream to afternoons on Monday. And those aren't as great, we think, for other people, too. And so we are moving again starting in September. Uh, You'll start to see notices for the live streams happening at 10 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. Wednesday morning. Wednesday mornings. That's a big, big change. Another big change uh, for this season. Uh, so thanks for your flexibility. I think the first live stream that morning will start the week of nine, six. It'll actually be nine, uh, eight, September 8th, Wednesday, 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific time. We'll post the, the usual breakdown of times around the world. There's so. something else that's going on on September 8th. What's that? It is a deadline for the GPS enrollment. Can oh, I speak to that for a little bit? Talk about okay. That. Yes. So, uh, GPS is my workshop that I do uh, basically every six weeks. We take, or I do it every six weeks. We take a week off and then it starts up again uh, Mm -hmm. for the next six weeks. And for this next uh, fall session, the deadline to enroll will be September 8th and it will begin on September 13th. And if you don't know much about the GPS system or workshop, please uh, take a look at my website uh, at www.com takecontroladhd.com mm-hmm. right do you need to say all that probably don't you can just say take you don't need to say ADHD. the www com. anymore yeah that's yeah. kind of kind of old that's cl- classic yeah. <laughs> classic <laughs> so- 
<laughs> anyway, uh, but do check it out. Check out the page. Um, basically, what happens is we meet two times a week on Mondays and Thursdays. On Mondays, we're we're planning for uh, the week ahead or the first three days of the week. On Thursdays, we are looking at that plan, adjusting, and looking ahead towards the weekend. Uh, now, in this whole process, we're talking about time management systems, and we're talking about planning and prioritizing, and there's a lot of support that happens within this group, uh, not only from me, but also from people that are inside the group. So it's a really great way to uh, save t- uh, space, a safe space for you to do your planning where you know that other people uh, are having the same challenges that you are uh, and have that uh, guidance along the way to ask questions and to, to get that support too. So it's been very successful, and I would love to have you join me in the fall. Again, the deadline is September 8th, and we will start on September 13th. One more thing I just want to remind people, because I don't talk about this enough, is study hall. We have study hall every afternoon on Thursdays, and it is from 1 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 4 to 8 Eastern, and it's four hours of uh, you, me, and whoever wants to join us uh, on Zoom as body doubles. And uh, you can come in and join us anytime in between those four hours. I run the Pomodoro method. So if you want to follow the 25 minutes of working with the five minutes break or five minute break, you are welcome to do that. So please check all of those things out on my website. And it's and it's a member benefit too. If you, it if is. you become a supporting patron member, you, you, you already get to join and be a part of that any, any Thursday you want. That's right. And that's at yep. the supreme level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great, great, great boost. Check it out. And now uh, let's meet our guest. Noreen Russell is here with us. Dr. Russell has spent her career uh, coaching patients and kids and developing positive youth development and education programs, helping kids and parents thrive. We're thrilled to have her on the show today to help us continue our conversation about ADHD and families today, we're focusing on the kids. How you doing, Noreen? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Y'all have a great podcast. Oh, you were ah, so you. kind. That's you didn't. We weren't even fishing. We weren't I even know, fishing right? for that. It's fantastic. <laughs> you don't have to fish. You deserve it. It's a great podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. We uh, uh, we've got uh, we've got this whole list of questions planned, and we want to talk a little bit about uh, before we get get started into the real meat of the show. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what has led you to this part of your career, to what you are doing, uh, helping kids and and families? Yeah, I have I think an, an interesting story. So this is my third career. Um, I started out after graduate school in academia and absolutely loved teaching, but um, noticed that around me, all of the women who had tenure were either having mental breakdowns or um, living lonely lives. And so... (laughs) Super aspirational, right? (laughs) Yes. Right. I want to be like them. (laughs) Exactly. Please uh, sign me up for that life. I can have it all and suffer too. Please sign me up. (laughs) Exactly. So... While I was in that stage, I did my research um, as um, assistant professor was applied research, taking a look at outcomes of support groups for girls. And so when I decided that I really wanted more to life than a tomato garden and, um, you know, the cats, I ended up 
moving to New York and moved into nonprofit work full time, which was stage two of my career and really working in youth development and youth leadership and understanding gender and education and um, taking a look at how education affects girls, how it affects boys, um, and how we can help kids of all ages and, and both genders thrive. And then I had my son and he's super complicated and I uh, retired from full-time CEO at the nonprofit that I had been leading for several years and found that the clinicians here where I live were asking me, well, can you work with this student? Can you work with this student? And I said, I don't really know what you mean. Like, I'm not a therapist. Um, and turns out that there is just a huge need, and this was 12 years ago, for coaching and what I love about coaching is the focus on positivity, the focus on skill building, the focus on healthiness, and that has all been consistent with what I've done my whole career. So that's kind of mm -hmm. how I got here, and um, then both of my kids and my husband, all three have ADHD, and I don't have ADHD, so I have both the empathy and the exasperation. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sounds just I understand like our that. Show. Yeah, <laughs> I understand that. So one of my questions is you said all ages, and that's that was what I was really curious about. Uh, because I coach with college students, but I only do adults and college students. And so I was curious to know um the range. So you'll work with like kindergartners up, or like what does that look like? We do work some with elementary students, but at that age, you know what the parent's role really is at that time is to be a teacher and a manager when you're at that stage of parenting. And so we would split our coaching time there 50-50 between teaching I see. the students some skills and the parents some skills. Then when we move into middle school and the parent oh, yeah. really becomes more of a coach, that's when the focus shifts to primarily working with the student. And what I love about getting them at middle school is this is the time, right? This is the time to learn these skills, to practice these skills. This is the time to mess up, right? My own sixth grade daughter in the car this morning was like, we're pulling into drop-off line, okay? We're pulling into drop-off line. And you both know what I do for a living. She's like, oh, shoot, I had homework this weekend. <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah. I love getting them at middle school because yeah. that is where we have space and time to practice without huge consequences. You know, when they come in in high school and college, the, the stakes are a little higher. Now, nobody's life was ever made or broken on the basis of high school grades. It really wasn't. Right. But it's beautiful when they come at middle school and we can use that time period of development to practice in kind of a low stakes setting. Well, and I would, well, I don't know if I can assume this or not. I, all I can tell you is from my own experience, that's when we figured out that my daughter had ADHD was in middle school, because that's when it starts to, for her anyway, it really started to show up because there was more responsibility. There is more organization that needs to happen. Um, you know, and as you probably know, with your own work, it looks different in girls, a lot different, uh, if you have inattentive ADHD and, um, 
it was it was a really interesting process to go through that and uh and it, it feels like middle school i can see where that can come up you know with with all of the different aspects that are different than elementary school you know absolutely 100% i think what what we see all of us is you know the executive functioning demands increase in middle school and so yes. all of a sudden the game changes and then, you know, you throw that little thing called puberty in there, and that doesn't right. necessarily help matters. So I think yeah. half of our students are first-year middle school, so generally sixth, but sometimes fifth, or ninth graders. They're making that transition. It's a new game. Developmentally, they're going through some transitions, and they need help. They need help figuring out mm-hmm. what's going to work for me. And mm-hmm. and I love when they come to us at that stage um, I have um, my my program director at the practice is all about college students, Nikki. So you can probably relate mm-hmm. to that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like give me middle schoolers any day and let me do the prevention <laughs> and the teaching work. Um, and she's like, oh, I love when they're like full of bad habits and, you know, have <laughs> the first year. I'm like, oh, it just breaks my heart. So um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's so funny too because at that age, and that's where we're we're sort of moving slash moved through that stage with my own kids, and I just have this experience of they come in with probably the biggest gap between skill and awareness uh, and tools to to handle it. They they have all the confidence that they can take on anything, even as their systems and expectations are so deeply tested. And especially with my son, the bravado is like, I got it, man. I got it. Dad, don't worry about it. I got this. I got this. And yet evidence indicates you you don't got this, right? Mm-hmm. You just you you aren't showing me. And so, you know, I I feel like as we're going back to school, this is a great time for this conversation. And particularly, as we're getting started talking today, uh, we started thinking about the things that we were going to be be talking about. And you shared a particular perspective that just really hit home for both me and, and Nikki, I think, about this idea of empathy and connection. Can you talk a little bit about what's on your mind? Um, I live in Florida, and don't judge. And... Um, <laughs> The Florida schools, the public schools went back last week. And so Mm -hmm. um, we have an international coaching practice and about a third of our students are still in Florida because that's where we started. So we've been working with our students who started, um, you know, last week or start this week. And already I'm telling you, the parent stress is so high, right? And I think it's exacerbated by what's going on with COVID, but it would be the same without COVID, right? Like, did you get the thing signed? Where's the paper from the teacher? Like, oh my gosh, you already forgot your lunch, right? And so we're already hearing that at our coaching practice. And one of the things that I keep saying to parents and that we're going to be talking about a lot at at our practice is As hard as this is for us as parents, it is 10 times harder for our children, right? Um, And I think it's so important to think about what is it like to experience life as a student with ADHD? Um, One of the guests that you had on, who of course is is just the guru in the field, Russell Barkley, um, you know, he talks about how difficult it is for kids and how parents have to really become 
so educated and knowledgeable about ADHD. And when we do intakes at our practice, one of the things that parents will say over and over and over again, and it really is like they feel like they're the only ones having this experience. He's so smart. He just is so smart, but he won't do his work. She has so much potential, but she just only cares about TikTok. And I gently, and I end up over and over again saying it in the intake, try to understand that what you're saying is you see symptoms of your child's neurodevelopmental disorder, right? Those aren't behaviors, they're symptoms. And so how do we get inside the ADHD brain and have some empathy for how normal some of this stuff is? And I think once you make that shift, whether you know it's through reading something by Russell Barkley, whether it's through talking to your own child's therapist or medical professional, once you can get inside the ADHD brain, all of a sudden the empathy, I think, rises up. But until we get to that point, our ADHD kid can be such a source of frustration and, and so angering, really. And and to me, I think that's one of the biggest benefits of having an outside professional is that person can help you as a parent understand the ADHD brain and take away some of that conflict so that you can be connected. Absolutely. Well, and I just have to say what you what you just said was something that we talked about last week with what my daughter said. So what we did last week is we talked to our own kids about their ADHD and what would you want other people to know? And one of the things she said is don't get frustrated so easily because we are trying. Um, we're, we are trying, our brain just works differently and, and, you know, basically be patient, like bear with us. And that's exactly what you're saying is that, you know, understand that it's really hard for them and that they're not going to get it the first time and they're going to have to do some things differently. Um, what I'm really curious about with coaching is how do you talk, like, are the parents with you in the coaching, in the coaching, uh, session? No. Okay. So you're just working with the middle school student or high school student, whoever it is. So do you then talk to the parents later about like, you know, please learn as much as you can about ADHD. This is what your child is saying or going through. Like, how does that, how do you relay what you just said back to the parent? Sure, sure. So for us, I think that starts at the beginning. It starts in the intake, right? And and we have a, a set of sort of working assumptions that we go through with the parents to make sure we're all on the same page and operating really from the same sheet of music, if you will, as we approach how to help this student. I think one of the things that differentiates our practice is we don't just preach a team approach, we practice and we lead the team. So we get in touch with the school, we get in touch with the psychiatrist, we get in touch with the therapist, we pull all those pieces together. Because you know, our ADHD kiddos are more likely than not to have something else also going on, right? Um, yes. And so that process of talking with the parent starts at the intake for us. And then we close each coaching session with the parent coming on for the last five minutes and the student reports out. 
you know, this is the executive functioning skill we worked on today, or these are my three goals for the week, and this is how you can support me, so that the student, in some ways, is educating the parent about it, and right. then you teach the parents, don't use that time as a time to reiterate, yeah, but that's what you said last week, right? We say, take that to our group text or our group chat and talk to us about your frustrations offline. And then we just, we really just try to keep doing psychoeducation with the parents. That's what ADHD looks like. That's what you can expect with ADHD. It's incredibly frustrating. Yes. Um, and we talk about the developmental delay of 30%. We talk about the fact that you know, kids have these spiky developmental profiles where they've got these amazing strengths, right? They're so good at certain things. And then they're a little bit behind in other things and normalizing that and helping the parent to realize that this is just your kid's neurogenetic makeup and your kid is no better or worse off than the kid next door, than the kid down the street, you know, than the kid in the school at the next neighborhood. This is just who they are. And the more you get it, the better they're going to end up doing because you're going to be able to advocate and then teach them how to advocate. So it's a long process, Nikki. I don't think it's easy. Yeah, I can imagine because I feel like that's like what you're talking about, like get intervening in that gap, especially right now right. is it is incredibly important because I even see it in myself and I've been doing this show with Nikki for 10 years and I still find myself, I think my ADHD actually exacerbates this because we get ready to go back to school and I completely perseverate on systems, on whiteboards, on do you have all the skills, do you have all, are you ready to get back into and practice and I am so annoying to everybody because of it, because I am fixating on the symptoms and I don't even know I'm doing it most of the time like I don't have I maybe it's a cobbler's kids have no shoes right like I don't like I have to be constantly reminded to step out of myself because it's so easy to get stuck on the symptoms yeah mm -hmm. oh 100 and then when you're focused on symptoms you're not focused on connection right Right. What's your back to school ritual, right? How do you end summer as a family? You know, what's your first day of school routine? What do you say right. to that kid as you drop them off? That's the same thing you've said for seven years or nine years, right? When we focus on symptoms, it's hard to also focus on connection. Right, right. And so at like, I keep thinking like, at what cost, right? At what cost my perseveration? What have I lost by the time they start school that I missed demonstrating the kind of emotional support, mm -hmm. because I was so stuck on practical support? Well, and it's interesting, because Pete and I, um, both of our kids are in the same situation where they're, they're sophomores, but they haven't been in high school because their whole freshman high school was on, you know, their whole freshman year was on uh, online. And so they're going into the new year, into a new school, uh, you know, like they're starting over all over again, you know, even though they really technically aren't. And that transition, and they both have ADHD, is going to be interesting. And I think it is, uh, you know, having that, that 
uh, empathy for them and then connecting with them that morning and the night before, you know, and, and building, like, I just, as talking about this makes me think, okay, I want to build her confidence. I want her to have, you know, a really good time and like, just enjoy the pro, you know, just enjoy it. Don't worry if you have all your pencils, <laughs> you know, right. whatever it might be, but that connection. So how, tell us more about that. Like, how can we connect to our tweens and our teens? Because that is also not an easy feat. No, I don't think it's easy at all. Um, I, 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 I spent a lot of time today thinking about this topic because it's so fresh in our house because Pete, like you, I get hyper obsessed with routines. I made this poor family of mine sit down the Sunday before they went back to school at our breakfast table for three hours and write out what happens every day after school because nobody was going to miss anything on my watch, right? Um, I mean, it was... The you are the lighthouse keeper. Oh, right? I, you watch the waterfront. Yeah, I wasn't the least bit concerned about how do you feel about going into middle school? Like, which friend yeah. are you looking forward to seeing? You know, what do you think you might learn about? No, no, just write your after-school routine down. Make sure you know it down to the minute so that daddy and I can pick you up and know what we're doing. It's terrible parenting. We mm -hmm. know that ADHD is a neurological deficit in regulating attention. So whatever has your kid interested in back to school, whatever that is, is it football? Is it band? Is it science? Is it rowing? Doesn't matter. Go where they're interested, right? Go where the attention is at at that moment. Don't try necessarily to put them into a box of, you know, well, what teacher do you think you'll like the most? Or which friends are you likely to see? You know, ask them and be open to where is their attention at that moment. The other thing that I think is so important about both parenting and working with kids with ADHD is matching your speed to their speed. So I find myself being a little bit of a chameleon when I'm working with students. If I've got, you know, kids who are hyperactive and they're fast processors and, you know, their brain is going a million miles a minute, I really ramp up my drama, right? I'll sit up straighter. I'll get bigger into the camera. I'll use a lot more hand gestures. I'll do a lot more inflections with my voice. I'll go faster, you know, pick up the pace. And then I'm also the one at the practice who I tend to take on the kids who have super slow processing and are just incredibly inattentive. Um, you know, you both are probably too young, but when I was little, there was a, a record player of my parents where you could turn the speed down. I think oh, sure. the same thing on videos now, right? Like it can go at half mm -hmm. speed. Mm -hmm. I'm like the half speed queen. And so all of my kiddos who are spacey, inattention, um, ADHD kids, I'm like, okay, so we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to talk through our usual questions. And you probably remember what they are. Um, but I think that kind of matching is empathy and connection building, right? So whatever is the speed of your inattentive kid, try to match that. We're adults. We can be flexible. We've got lots of skill sets to pull on. Um, and I think that's really important is... Don't expect your child to always adjust to you. Yes, there's lots of times when kids have to adjust to adults and adult rules. But when it comes to the connection piece, go there, be with them, 
be in the space that they're at. Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot about that in terms of helping the kids make decisions too because it's not it, it is both an expression of how how fast are they thinking or processing right how many cycles they're able to process at any given time and some kids are very very fast and some kids take a little more time just because they they think slower fast and I, i've been trying so hard in my own life to think more slowly uh, because i think better when i think more slowly uh, but there is also this sort of meter that I feel like I have to fill with my kids in order to get to the point where they're able to execute on a new practice or a new decision or some choice they have to make. And until they get to that point, I, I'm not going to be able to, to get action. For example, like I know my daughter, she'll be able to think through a question and get to about sort of 50% of where I would need to get, and she'll be ready to pull the plug, like do whatever she needs to do, whether it's go out and learn to drive or go out and, you know, apply to college, like all those decisions were made roughly at 50% information load. My son needs closer to 80, 90% before he's comfortable executing a new thing, like whatever that new thing is. And I, I think, you know, for me, what you're really triggering is that's also an expression of empathy, being able to know about my kids, how much they need in order to move to some new chapter to make a decision to integrate a new process. They need sometimes just a lot more guidance and mm -hmm. data to support making choices. I think we do too, right? As adults. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I know I do. To me, the, the empowerment there is when they know how their brain works, like, gosh, I kind of like to have almost all the information before I make yeah. a decision. To me, when you know, that's when you become poised to build flexibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you don't know what your preference is, when you don't know how your brain works, it's really hard to use that metacognition to say, oh, I could do this differently or I could practice doing this differently. And so to me, you know, it's not that, we're setting up some expectation that, oh, well, for your son, we're just not going to expect him to do anything until he has 90% of the information. And then, you know, what's he going to do for a job? Um, because he needs to have 90% of the information all the time. That's not it at all. That's not it no. at all. It's building the metacognition of this is how my brain likes to work. This is how my brain prefers to work. This is how I'm wired. And these are the skills that I need to learn so that I've got a well-rounded brain. Totally. Metacognition. I'm curious if you wouldn't mind talking to our audience what about what it is, because I don't think everybody does understand it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so metacognition is a cognitive skill that generally is not well-developed until the mid-20s. And it is really the ability to think about how you're thinking and become a better thinker. And it's really the process of reflecting on, okay, how did I use my brain in this situation? Did that work? What was the outcome? And what do I need to do differently? So I'll tell you my best example of having poor metacognition. My husband and I, our firstborn was our son. And I had started the coaching practice by that time. And so I would see... Um, students on the weekend. So I'd leave and he would be the parent on duty is what we call it at my house. And I would come home several hours later and I would say, 
well, did you feed the baby? Did you change the baby? All these, you know, normal questions. Well, no, you didn't tell me to feed the baby. You didn't tell me that the baby needed, you know, to be changed every two hours. So now people with good metacognition right then and there would say, oh, we need to change our system of parenting, right? We either need a schedule for what happens when mom is gone on the weekend, or I need to text every hour and say, do this, or is the diaper wet? Or we need to send you to a parenting class, right? We didn't do any of those things. For six months, I left the house, went to work. Pete, bless his heart, took beautiful care of that kid, but did not initiate any of those tasks of feeding the kid, changing their diaper, maybe figuring out if they you know, would benefit from a walk. Six months, I tell you, we both had no metacognition. We just did the same thing over and over again with the same poor results and had the same argument Saturday at three o'clock. That is terrible metacognition, right? What we should have done is stop and go, okay, what's driving this behavior? What am I assuming in this situation? What do I think is going to happen if I do this, right? Mm -hmm. And then you change the way you're thinking about it so you can create a different outcome. Beautifully explained. And one of the things that I'll add to that when you're learning as a student, when you're studying, uh, I'll tell people that, because they'll say, I write the notes. I, you know, I read the chapter, but I can't, I don't remember anything or I don't remember my notes. Like just reading it isn't enough. And so I'll tell them, you know, put yourself in the situation. So if you're reading um, a chapter of something and you know, you're going to be asked questions, you know, find out what the questions are. So you can be looking for those as you're reading, but if, especially like a history history, you can easily do this. Put yourself in the situation. What would you have done if this was you or you lived in this time period or whatever? And trying to get them to really think about what they're learning and put it in some kind of how they're connected to it in some way, you know, will help with retention. And uh, so it is interesting because not only just, you know, are you doing the same thing and getting the same results, but it's also really digging deeper in what you're learning too and looking at it in a different way, not just reading it, but really thinking about what you're reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. Making those connections. And the metacognition piece is where your brain is saying, oh, remember your coach, Nikki said, if you process it this way, you'll probably do better on the test. And when you tried that last time, you actually did get the B instead of the D. So you should mm -hmm. do that this time. That's the metacognition piece. And when we turn on that part of our brain to start thinking, oh, what did I do last time? Did it work? Did it get me what I wanted? What would be some other options? That's metacognition. And to me, it's so, so exciting when we start to see, you know, our tweens and teens provide glimmers of, oh, I'm getting this. Actually, if I don't sass you every time I ask for the car keys, I might get the car keys. <laughs> That's right. Oh, are you here right now? I know you said you're in Florida. I, I think this is so important because everything I'm hearing is, again, like an effort not to address a symptom that the whole idea of metacognition, thinking about thinking, uh, thinking about how we process is a step back so that we don't just, again, back to me, perseverate on the the 
the practicals, perseverate on what we see right. rather than than why and how and, and what it means to us to exist in that space. Right. So I have a question about connection, though, because I'm going to go back to the teen, teen connection and tween because it, it starts there. So as they become teenagers, they become more dependent on what their friends think and what their friends are doing and a lot less on what mom and dad think. Now, um, I'm curious for all of those parents out there and myself who have had the door not slammed, but certainly shut <laughs> when I want to talk about their day or how they're doing, or I can tell something's wrong. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, how do you continue that connection when they're not opening up? Right. Right. So one of the things that I think is such a great strategy is um, a strategy called stay listen and really doesn't always involve talking. Go find your team if they'll open the door and hang out in their space, you know, go lay on the bed while they're doing their homework, um, you know, sit at the dining room table if that's where you ask them to do homework. Don't talk, right? Just stay there and listen. I sometimes tell parents, think of yourself as the puppy, right? Just be around, you know, be cute, be lovable. Um, don't ask questions. Questions seem like demands. We all know that, right? And especially in that time maybe where they're getting home from school or they're stressed out about homework or the meds are wearing off or they're getting hangry. You know, I think the whole idea of stay, listen, and just being around deepens that connection where then when they are explosive or they want to shut themselves off, they can draw on some of that ability to be quiet together, to be connected together without always having to verbalize it, right? Like, mm -hmm. hey, can I come and lay down with you while you go to bed? I've had a long day. Or, hey, can I come sit in the chair in your bedroom while you work on things? I've got some work emails I want to respond to. But just being in the same space without everything having to be verbal. I think the other thing, and I, I think parents have done a really good job of adapting to technology with this, is using their text. You know, how do you use yeah. text to connect? We all know, right, that they might not text us back, but it's a great time to use humor. It's a great time for funny videos, you know, so capitalize on the fact that they live and breathe with their phones. And then I think... You know, to me, the other piece of this with our with our ADHD sons and daughters is I think it's so important to be their biggest champion and cheerleader, right? We all know that they're going to be delayed in some areas. So find the places where they do have some kind of superpower. So for my son, um, math is hard for him. Doesn't have a math brain. I don't know if it's related to the ADHD. It certainly has gotten worse with puberty and ADHD. And he beats himself up a lot about it. And I say, you know what? Here's the thing, buddy. Your life is not going to be dictated by your ability to do math. What your life is going to be dictated by are the things that you are already amazingly good at. And that is love and kindness for people and helping others. And so, yeah, we're going to get through math. And mm -hmm. you're not going to win any math awards, but you know what? 
you are going to be someone who changes the world because of the way you care about other people and because of your leadership skills. And I think, you know, wow, that makes me feel so good. I know, right? <laughs> oh. I love that. You know, I'm not a believer in ADHD as a superpower. I don't, I don't think ADHD yeah. is a superpower, but I think people with ADHD have strengths and gifts and talents, just like the kid next door who, you know, maybe wears glasses, just like the kid down the block who has diabetes. We're human beings. We're whole, full human beings, right? And so being conscious of what are your children's skills? What does your teenager do well? And remarking on that and not in like a good boy, good girl way, but in a respect, you know, Ethan, I have so much respect for the way that every night when I come home, you run out to the car to see, what can you carry in for me? I, you know, I'll say to him, there's no other 13 year old who's coming out to the car to help his mom carry in her laptop bag. That's that's why you're going to change the world because of that heart, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and we all as parents, we know that and, and we see those strengths. And so it's just a question, I think, of verbalizing them to deepen that connection so that your mm-hmm. teenager feels seen and respected and it builds the love that they have for themselves because they feel loved. I love your second tip about the using the texting. I never thought of that, but that's such a great idea to like send him a video sometime or, you know, just a little note or something like that. I absolutely love that. Uh, the only, the, the one thing I would add to what you just said, and I, this happens a lot with my kids when they do want to talk, I drop everything and I listen <laughs> Those are, those might be fleeting moments. <laughs> they so are. take advantage. Yeah. But especially with my son, if he sits down on that stool or he comes into my room and sits on that, you know, corner chair, I know he wants to talk. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. sure. and Nikki, I think that verb, we cannot write that large enough. Listen, yeah. listen, close your mouth and listen, ask questions, not use your nonverbals. Mm -hmm. Wow. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I think I could have been overwhelmed with some feelings at that time. Tell me what would happen next, right? So what you're saying, yes, what you're saying is don't try to fix it either, right? Like you're saying, ask the questions and don't try to fix it because that's such a good reminder. Because yes, I mean, immediately that's what we want to do is is make our children's problems go away, make it feel better somehow. Even, but I love that. So just ask questions. My husband, I think, I don't know if this is ADHD. It feels a little ADHD in the moment. He wants to then tell the kids the story about how that happened to him. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's just save that. Like, <laughs> I know that. Right. Save that for coffee. It, it could be like a man thing. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to be too gendered on this show very often, but you just hit me in the sweet spot. Like, that's just a dad <laughs> thing. I'm called out for that all the time. When I was a boy, you know, I mean, yeah, that's I'm, I'm as tropey as they come. So, yeah. I'm, no, I know. I and it. it certainly, you know, we don't want to make any gender generalizations, yeah. but um, you know, go take your stories to cocktail hour or to the water cooler. Mm-hmm. But when your teenager is talking, be quiet. Did you guys see the story this this weekend on CB? Do you watch CBS Sunday morning ever? You ever see this? Occasionally. 
Occasionally. Okay, so they did a story on CBS Sunday Morning. I'll post it in the show notes, and it was all about um, it, the the premise of it was this this sort of affluent high school kids, kids in affluent areas that are just straight up destroying themselves with academic pressure and performance pressure and get into college pressure. And, um, you know, the, the whole premise of the show, they do poke at the, Oh, you know, there's a dad saying, I know what you're thinking, you know, well-off family. Oh, you have it so hard because you have a lot of money, but that really wasn't the issue. The issue was that these kids are, putting in so much pressure on one another it all stems from this sort of performative competitive pressure on one another that is not driven exclusively by their parents and it's driven by their peer groups and they're in tears and their their suicide rates are going up and they're just they're killing themselves over this sort of of pressure this this kind of and and i'm i'm listening to story and i'm thinking you know i I, I feel like we tried not to do that, and I've always approached academics the same way you're talking to your son. Like it's, I've used it like language. Like, I yeah, I studied a lot of French, you know, and but I'm not anywhere near fluent, and I was still able to go over there and and live there for a time, and I was able to order in restaurants, and nobody threw rocks at me for being non-fluent. I could get by. You can make that same conversation with just about everything that you don't necessarily love that you have to learn how to do. Do enough to get by and excel at the things you really love. And, And so I feel like this is not just a lesson for kids. It's a lesson for all of us that we're, we're inside, we're killing ourselves to to perform we just don't have to you know this is a good wrapping up point is that's what i love about coaching right so coaching is strengths-based and builds skills so instead of saying you are the sum total of all of your scores in this or let's figure out where you don't measure up yet right Let's come back to what are your strengths? How can you use those strengths? How can you leverage yeah. those strengths? Our coaches um, in in the backward planning notebook that we use keep a list of what are the students' strengths and what are their executive functioning strengths specifically, but also what are their personality strengths? What are their value strengths? Um, so that we can constantly be saying, you already have this, right? You are great in this way. You are enough. Mm-hmm. You're not a two, three, four, or five on an AP exam, right? You're really mm-hmm. not. And, and that I think is maybe the most important message for our kids with ADHD because they get so much negative feedback. And so to say, you are enough, and this is what I love about you, and this is what makes you amazing, and this is your gift to the world. Love it. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nuri. Where, where, where do you want people to learn more about you? Sure. I would love for people to learn more about us. We are on the web at www.russellcoaching. Russell has two S's and two L's. So russellcoaching.com. You can find us on Facebook at Russell Coaching and Consulting. And um, you can call our office at 212-716-1161. And for your listeners, we are going to offer 20% off the first three months of coaching if we are a good fit for their student and they'd like for us to work with them. Your listeners can receive 20% off their first three months of coaching fees. 
Oh, that's a generous offer. Very Thank generous. you so much. Yes. That's great. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And we appreciate all of you for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute about this conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Dr. Noreen Russell, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Thank you.